this. Like there are times where you can't record the praise team because they don't, there's a lot of soundboard things that go on behind the scenes to make it sound good. But y'all live and direct and awesome this morning. So this morning I'm going to talk to you um, about having, getting a heart rewrite, right? Understanding what it means when your heart needs to be rewritten. Understanding what it means when God steps in and he starts to take control over your actions, over your thoughts, over your intent, over your will by rewriting your heart. Now, he doesn't force himself upon us because he's a good, good father, right? But what he will do is once you accept him, he'll start to change some things around. And so I'm going to talk to you about that. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you this morning. Lord, I lift up this service and every person that's in here this morning, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you have already come before me and you've prepared a way, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that there will be none of me and all of you this morning, Father God. Lord, that every word that I utter will be of your spirit, Heavenly Father. Decrease me and increase you, Father God. Lord, I thank you right now for binding up every distraction, Father God, anything that will try and come in between the word that you have given me for your people and them receiving it, Father God. Lord, everything that's on their mind, Lord, I cast it down right now in the name of Jesus that they'll be able to be focused, that they will take notes, that they'll refer back, and that they'll be better than they were when they came in here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in a state, in a, in a, in a, in a state of time where we watch on TV, and on the internet, people getting shot and killed um, in situations where they're dealing with the law and they're dealing with people in authority. And where we see people get into trucks and mow down other people um, and innocent people and just mow them down because they're attending uh, a festival. Um, in a state and in a time where um, not too long ago, maybe I think probably 10 or 15 years ago, people put, you know, drove tra uh, planes into skyscrapers and killed people. In a time where people are trying to escape a land and you have babies washing up on beaches um, that have drowned because the, the boat is capsized because freedom was so important that they risk death to get it. In that type of state, one has to ask themselves, what is going on? What is taking place? As we watch those things, and those things come in through our eye gate, and they come in through our ear gate, and they're talking about it on our job, and they're talking about it on the internet, the thing that we have to be careful of is to make sure that our hearts don't get hardened. Because it's easy, it's so easy to harbor hatred and anger and frustration, and hopelessness, and to want to give up and think, you know what? It can't get any better. Everyone is so worried about the election, and I'm not downplaying the election because y'all need to vote. Where, where the lady at? Don't boo vote. Y'all need, need to vote. I won't tell y'all who to vote for, but I will tell y'all that the next person in the White House should be a woman. Um, <laughs> You got some choices, you know what I mean? You got some choices to make, you know? Staying home is not one of them. You need to go in and pull the lever. As a good friend of me said is when you're not satisfied with any of the candidates, you vote for the tallest midget. So you get in there and you vote. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you listen, hear me, yeah. But in this, here's the thing that you have to understand. Y'all just go with me. She told me to be at home. That was probably the worst advice <laughs> that she could have gave me because I operate on very little sense. Um, and so y'all getting it all this morning. But in the state of our nation, in the state of our world, you have to be careful about the state of your heart. Because everything that you do with your heart impacts your flow. Yeah. 
When you start to see that there's a blockage in your flow, then you know that there is a blockage in your heart. How you're flowing is a, is a direct correlation to the condition of your heart. If your heart is not in the right place, your actions will be different. What you say will be different. What you do will be different. Because our heart is the center of how we think, our emotions, our will, our intent, and our inner self. It directs the entire flow of everything. Say everything. It directs the entire flow of everything. And so if the enemy was going to defeat you, if he was going to take you down, if he was going to bind you, he would come after your heart. So often we think he's coming after my marriage, he's coming after my kids, he's coming after my finance. That's fine, but what he's really coming for is your heart. Because when he starts touching your kids, when he starts touching your marriage, when he starts touching your finances, your heart shifts. Either you get a hopeless heart, you get a hard heart, you get a bitter heart, you get a heart full of fear. So he never is after all that stuff. He wants your heart. In John 10.10 it says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief comes. That means that he's not here, but he's on his way. And when he comes, he only has one purpose. Do you hear me? He has one purpose. The first one is to steal. The only way that he can steal from you is if you give him access and possession. The only way that he can steal from you is if you give him access and possession when you're talking about your heart. You have control over what goes on inside your chest. If he's going to, if he's coming after your heart and he's coming to steal it, you have to provide access. You've given access to the strong man. Now he has dominion. And he doesn't, he, he's not like the thieves that we see on the news that kick in doors and break down windows and, you know, go through all of those type of theatrics to get access. He gets access little by little. One video by one video. One status update by one status update. One conversation by another conversation. Pastor Sean said this morning some of us are blessed by the people we didn't get. I know some of you can go back in your mind and you think about a time when the enemy stole your heart just because you gave up seven digits. <laughs> Something so small, seven digits changed your life. <laughs> seven digits. Seven digits. Think about that small access that takes you down a path where he's able to steal from you. Do you understand? It doesn't take a lot. One inappropriate conversation. One inappropriate conversation. That conversation is that you, that thought becomes words, and those words manifest, and now you have actions, and you wonder why you're in fornication. Small things to steal, to take it away from you. The second thing that he does is to kill which means to put an end or cause the failure or defeat of something, to put to an end. What is it that you have that God gave you? See, in Jeremiah says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. I gave you a name. I gave you territory. I gave you possession. I, I put everything in you before your mom met your dad, sperm met the egg. I took care of everything before you even arrived. So while you were up there walking and talking with God, and he was preparing you for your voyage to earth, what did he give you that the enemy now desires to kill? To make sure that it will never come to fruition. To destroy it, to tear it down, to make sure that you'll never be successful, that you'll never, ever walk in your calling, that you'll never, ever accomplish the awesomeness that God has for you. 
He comes to kill. But first, he has to have possession, which we give him through little, a little access, and then he kills. He destroys. I was thinking about a time I was walking outside of work, and it had rained. And um, it was after a rainstorm, and I was walking to my car. And the sun had come out. It was really hot after the rain. And I noticed as I was walking, there were all these worms that were dead on the pavement. Because the sun had come back out, and it killed the worms because the worms needed moisture. They needed the soil. They needed all of those things. They were in a place where they were safe. They ventured out because it seemed like it felt like it was safe to go ahead and get outside of the wheel of where they were supposed to be. But then they got out there, and conditions slowly changed. Slowly the rain stopped going, so they didn't know that the rain was stopping, and they didn't scurry back to where they were safe. Then they found themselves dead because they left the place of protection and went to a place that appeared to be an extension of protection that was not a place of protection that ended up killing them. What steps are you taking away from your safe place to a place that would ultimately kill you and kill what's in you? and kill what's there for your, for, your, for your children that takes away their inheritance? What steps are you taking because it appears like it's safe? What has he told you to stop doing that you keep doing? You just keep inching around, inching further and further away from your safe place, little by little, so he can get in a position. Because, see, once you left the safe place, that's when he got position, uh, possession where he's able to steal. Now he's got you all the way away from where you're supposed to be, and now he's in the position where he can kill. And then the last thing that he does and that he comes for is to destroy. Because it's not just enough for him to kill what's inside of you. It's not just enough for him to steal what's inside of you. But he wants to make sure that that thing will never resurrect again. So he has to destroy it. How many of you ladies in here have ever seen a spider in your house? So let me just talk to you about spiders for a minute. It's not, listen. I need to see the body. Like, I don't, if, if, if we're going to kill a spider, if I had my sons will come in to kill the spider, and they're like, Mommy is dead. Bring me the body. I'm not coming back in until I'm sure. Show me the smear. I need to know that it's destroyed. I don't care. I'm not taking your word for it. I'm not, you know, and I was laying in my bed one day, and I looked up, and we have these things in Pennsylvania called stink bugs. I don't know if y'all have those things here. Um, but a stink bug just, like, fell onto my You have them? Oh, y'all lucky. Y you know what? Y'all have them in D.C. because y'all in my region. <laughs> Listen, hear me. Those, those, I really believe those are the devil. Like, I mean, I, I do. I, th I think they're little, little, little imps. But the stink bug fell, it fell in my bed. Like, it fell. I saw it, and then it said, phew. So I don't move fast for a lot of things. But I got up out that bed so fast, I started screaming for my sons, and I left the whole room. I'm not coming back in here until y'all got the, I need the whole, I killed the bug. So my, my youngest son, his name is Andrew. Andrew said, Mommy, you know, we, we, we took care of the bug. And I said, you didn't. He said, no, I did. We did, Mom. Just, you can go back in. We got the bug. We're pretty sure that we got it. And I said, we're pretty sure. <laughs> we're pretty sure. I don't have assurance in that, that you have the bug. And so, you know, I, I, came, I came back in the room. I had some trust in Andrew because Andrew doesn't lie. But Andrew had intel from his other brother, so he wasn't operating on his own intel. And so I get back, you know, I'm already leery, but I get back in the bed, I pick up my book, and I see something out of the corner of my eye on the pillow. Well, I snapped. 
I got up all over again, got them all the way back in there, kill it, destroy it. I need to see the body. That's what the enemy wants for your purpose. He don't want to leave. He's not going to send somebody else to do the job and see if it's going to go, if it's going to be okay. He wants to destroy. He wants it killed, and he wants proof that it's gone. That's destroying it. He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. He wants your heart because then he has control of your intent. But then the second part of that scripture is where there's victory. He says that the Lord steps in. He said, but I have come. So he's telling you that the thief comes. He's on the way, but I just want to let you know. Y'all got to understand from an English perspective. He said the thief comes, so he's warning you about what's going to happen, telling you what's going to happen. But then he says, but I have come. Right? I'm already here. So he's coming, but I'm here. He's coming, but I'm here. And because I'm here, I want you to know that I came to give you life and life more abundantly. See, when the condition of your heart is not right, you will settle. You will settle for just breathing. You will settle for just being married. You'll settle for just being a parent. You'll settle for mediocre relationships. You'll settle for a mediocre job. You will just settle when you are just living, when you have just gotten comfortable with having life because you're like, hey, he came to give me life. (sighs) And I have life. And he said, no, baby. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. That means that you can't settle for the place that you're in. But when your heart is not turned appropriately to God, then you'll find yourself settling with everything. You'll settle with the diagnosis from the doctor. Must be it. I have high blood pressure. I have diabetes. I have this. I have that. These things are wrong with me. Yeah, I accept it. It's okay. I'm just going to settle. Do what you got to do. It's all right. I'm just going to lay down and I'm going to accept this. You'll settle for reports on your kids. Yep, you're absolutely right. That is who he is. That is who she is. That is who she'll be. Yep, our generational curse is this. She'll probably do the same thing. Grandmama got pregnant at 14. I got pregnant at 14. She'll probably get pregnant at 14. We just pretty much expecting it. You'll settle. You'll settle for jobs that you shouldn't be in when there's something greater that's inside of you that wants to be manifested to the earth. People are always talking to you about your calling in church. I'm always talking to people about their calling in the earth. I'm not called to a building. I'm not called called to a job. I am called to the earth. But when you get into a position where your heart is not right, then the challenge that you have is that you start to settle for a, for four walls. You start to settle. Some of you settle just coming to church here on Sunday. You come and you sit and you eat the word, but you don't serve. I apologize in advance, but it came to me. So you, you sit and you don't serve. You have, you have situations where there's opportunities for you to serve in the ministry, but you're not. Why? Because you're settling. I'm settling for eating your word. I'm settling for coming to your house every week and taking but never bringing anything. And I'm going to bring my Tupperware and take some home to show you how ungrateful I am. I'm going to leave that alone. So then... When you think about the Lord, I said the enemy is after your heart, but the Lord is not after your heart. He has possession of your heart. The enemy is coming, but he's there. And so he's coming, and the reason why he's there is because he does not want you to settle in any area. Some of you have selective victory. Selective victory. I'm victorious on my job. Have you seen me? Do you know? Have you been to my office? Have you seen this? I got, I'm, I got it. So you put that up all the time. Check out my awards. Here, another one. I'm doing good. But then you got this other area where you're silently suffering because you won't get the victory there because your heart has turned bitter towards that situation and you've decided to settle. I was never called to be healthy. 
My kids were never called to love God. This, I'm never, I was never called to be married. My husband will never be saved. My wife will never shut up. <laughs> I like to at least get one amen from men. Uh, <laughs> Y'all men don't write that down. I don't want nobody calling me later. <laughs> I won't get, won't get, have Pastor Sean and them tell me how to do marriage counseling. So anyway. But you have to think about the things that you're settling for in your life. Selective victory is not what he's called you to. That's not what he's called you to. He's called you to total victory in every area, in relationships, in finances, in health, in your vocation. If you're waking up every day and you hate where you go, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. And I tell people all the time, people will come into my office and they'll say things like, oh, this is going on. I just hate that, that, you know, companies are doing this or doing this. I'm like, you have a choice. You have a choice. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You apply for this job. You have a choice. Make a change. (laughs) But people, we're so afraid of change that we choose settling over change. Because settling is comfortable. Settling is so comfortable. I feel like, like well, you know, when OJ had the, tri- had the trial and they said, if it don't fit, you must acquit. And many of y'all, there's some things in your life that don't fit, so you must acquit. You got to get those things out of there. They don't fit anymore, and you're still holding on to those things. When God has called you to do something and he's asked you to do something, you are not supposed to pause and think about it. You're not supposed to sit back and be like, well, let me analyze this. Let me figure out if this is going to be okay. Let me go through. And I'm, I'm preaching to, listen, I'm preaching to myself. So you don't have to sit around and run all types of analysis to figure out if it's God. You know if it's God. If you sat around him at any given time, you understand his voice and you know his voice. But then you say, you know what, God, what you want for me, I don't want for me. God, you know what? I don't trust you enough to do what you said you were going to do. So let me jump in here and help this situation out. God, you can't possibly be as powerful as I sing about. You can't possibly be as powerful as I, as I read about. That you can't be that God. And so you decide that you with your little earthly, pathetic self are going to jump in there and fix a situation that he's already fixed because the thief comes, but he's here. Y'all so focused on the thief, y'all missing who came before the thief. Y'all looking around, everybody running around, don't take my possessions. Don't take my stuff. Don't take my stuff. And he's like, but I came. He's coming, but I came. I'm already here. I got your stuff already taken care of. And you're like, yeah, but what if what you want for me is not what I want for myself? We don't have, and listen, when I say this, hear hear me, hear me on this. This nation, um, we do have a racism problem, but the racism is just a fruit. We have a heart issue, right? We don't have issues in our marriage. We have heart issues. We don't have issues with with our kids. We have heart issues. Everything is tied back to the heart because everything flows from the heart. And once we realize, when we understand what he's really after, then we can correct it. Otherwise, we just keep picking the fruit. Let's get rid of this fruit. Let's get rid of this fruit. But the root is still, taking, is still there, which is there's a problem with the heart. When you don't trust God. When you don't trust God. You sit back and you talk about him. Like when we get, we come in praise and worship. Everybody was up and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to sing. I got that mandate, so I'm not going to do that. But you up, you know, doing your, uh, <laughs> no, we live. I only do that when we ain't live. <laughs> but you up and you're saying, you know, I, I, I can't do one song. because I'll go wherever you tell me to go. That song and I'll do. No, you won't. You're lying. <laughs> you only going to go if it's convenient. You only going to do it if you ain't scared. 
long as you know all the details, then you're going to go and do it. But otherwise, you ain't going to do what he told you to do. You're going to wait until you feel like, I need confirmation. I heard there's a prophet in town. Let me go over and see what the prophet got to say. When your spiritual parents have already told you what to do, you need a second opinion. Some of y'all won't get a second opinion from the cardiologist, but you want a second opinion when God speaks. What? We're going to accept what the doctor said. You know why? Because he went to He went to school. <laughs> He went, he went to school. He got a degree in this. So since he got a degree in this, we're going to just take his word for it. But God says, go, and you like, well, hold on. Is there a prophet coming to the land? Because, you know, and you're driving down the freeway on billboards are saying, go. You coming into places and people saying, go. Every time you turn on the TV and say, well, I don't know. I don't know what Pastor Sean or Pastor, Pastor, uh, what Pastor, I want to call you Pastor Strict. But <laughs> my bad. Well, Pastor Edwin says, but I'm, I, let me turn on and see what Bishop Jake's saying. He said, go. Okay, let me see what Jesse Duplantis is saying. He said, go. Well, let me check on Paula White. Well, she said, go. Oh, okay. Well, I guess now I can go. Like, I don't understand. You got the word from God first, and then you still going to saw. Why? Because you need a heart rewrite. Trust is tied to your heart. You can't flow if you can't trust. He's called us to flow. And the, here's the thing about you walking in rebellion, and, and when you are walking in, re in rebellion, is that you don't just impact yourself. Your heart issues then flow to those people that are closest to you. Your heart issues start to impact everybody else. Those heart issues manifest, and your kids are watching how you walk things out. Your kids are, in, are present when they hear, hey, mommy, you were supposed to do this, or daddy, you were supposed to do this, and you're like, I'm not doing it. And they're like, so you're teaching them not to trust God, but you're teaching them to go to church. There's a difference. Trusting God involves relationship. Church is just, I mean, church can be routine. You just got to show up at a place. Many people show up at church every Sunday just like they show up at work on Monday. It's a part of the process. On my schedule is church, but is relationship on your schedule. Is your heart right towards God in order for you to do what you're supposed to do? An interesting thing, if you think about it, you know, the, the disciples got to had an opportunity to be with Jesus himself. And if you look in the book of Mark, Mark 6, 52, it says that they had not understood about the loaves. So you got to understand what happened before that. This was where he fed the 5,000. And that's when, uh, you know, a little boy was there. He had two little fish and five loaves of bread. And the disciples came back to Jesus and they said, yo, so dude over here with some fish and some bread, but it ain't enough. And, he, they're like, and he's like, well, you know, well, we got to get some food for everybody. And they're like, we don't have the money to get food for all. Do you see these people, Jesus? This is a pretty big crowd. We're not going to be able to do this. They, the little boy stood up, offered up his fish. As you guys know, Jesus multiplied it to where they had leftovers. Hear me. They had leftovers. And our disciples didn't believe. So then things kept going, and they kept traveling with, with Jesus. And they get out on um, the Sea of Galilee, I believe. And they're on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus walks out to talk to them. And they're freaking out because they still can't believe what happened with the loaves. Everybody's talking about them on the boat, right, and how they couldn't receive Jesus. It was because they couldn't, they couldn't even get past what had happened previously. So I don't even know if I see him walking on this water because, yo, did you see what he did with, 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 the, with the loaves? He made, like, perch, whiting. Like, I mean, I don't know. We have pole boys. He did it. Did you see what Jesus did with the fish? They sitting there. Did he come walking? They can't receive that. And the word says on the second part, because their hearts were hardened. 
What miracles are God, is God trying to do for you that you cannot even see because your heart is hardened? You can't receive him as he's walking towards you because your heart is hardened. Because, and here's the thing that's interesting. They already had the victory in a place. They were just victorious. 5,000 people, two fish, five loaves of bread. 5,000, two fish, five loaves of bread. 5,000 people fed. They've already seen him work. I've seen him work, but I'm so stuck on that last miracle that I don't understand why. Because why would you do that for me, God? How do you love me that much? I don't understand why he even did that. What happened there? I don't know how God gave me that. When, when Pastor Sean was talking about me and how I elevated through corporate America, I had to actually learn to say, this is God. This is all God. I'd walk into boardrooms with people that had graduated from Harvard, uh, graduated from Wharton, graduated from Yale, all these colleges. And I had to walk in there and I had to say, and I'd say, Lord, you be my mouthpiece today. You give me the strategy. Had I got stuck on that miracle, I would not have been able to elevate. If I had got stuck, because here's the thing about that. When you, are, when, you don't, <laughs> when you get stuck on a miracle, you can't elevate to the next miracle. It's like being stuck on the floor. You get on the elevator. We did this yesterday. We got on the elevator. Nobody pressed the button. Some of y'all sitting on the elevator in your life and you haven't pressed the button. Could you surprise that the elevator just, this elevator. How the elevator get here? Do y'all see this elevator? This is a pretty elevator too. Y'all just sitting there, fool, push the button. You got places to go. It's time to elevate. But you stuck on the last miracle. Just stuck, standing there doing nothing. Why? Because your heart is hardened. A hardened heart will prevent you from believing. A hardened heart will prevent you from believing. You will not believe. See, you ever have something happen so good? Like, like I love food. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love food. And you ever have like a good meal, right? And then you're like, I'm going to go back to that restaurant. But you have that little fear. Like, what if they don't get it right again? <laughs> like, what if they can't duplicate what they did already? Oh, so then you get stuck. What if he can't duplicate? What if he, what, but what, because when my heart's hard and I don't trust you, your word means nothing. I can teach it, preach it, sing it, read it. But if my heart is hardened, then his word means nothing to me. I can quote the scriptures back and forth. I can give you the Greek, the Hebrew. I can go through and dissect the word for you. I can do whatever it is that you need me to do about that word. But if my heart is hardened. So here's the thing about something that's hardened. This is hard, right? Can't get through this. So what happens is the word is trying to get in to your heart. But it can't because you're hard. So because it can't get in there, it can't plant itself which it can't produce a harvest because it's hard. When you have a hard heart, you can't receive your flow. Nothing can come in and nothing can go out because your heart is hardened. When you, if you find yourself dealing with fear, doubt, and unbelief, go back to your heart. And there may be, there may be parts where you may, because a heart is made up of a variety of different parts. So there may be part of your heart that's soft, like you may really believe God for $5. You might believe him for $5, but do you believe him for healing you for cancer, from cancer? Because it's the same belief. It's the same process. It's the same. It's the same. You know, it's, it's interesting to me when people will believe things in Genesis, but they can't touch Revelation. You, got, you can't pick what you want out the Bible. 
So you have like this, this place where you're hardened in some place, but then there's some areas where like I just, Lord, I just can't believe again for that thing because my heart is hardened on that thing and that very thing everyone's talking to you about. He's, you, you're dreaming about it. You're waking up in the middle of the night. This is for somebody in here. You're waking up in the middle of the night, and he's talking to you about it. And you keep going, no, but I can't do it. 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 And he's in. you going back to sleep. He wake you up again. You're like, I can't do it. You wake up everywhere you look. The word is coming forth. But because you are hard in that area, you refuse to move. You re- refuse to go forth. You refuse to, breathe, to believe again. He has not called you to stay stuck. He needs you to trust him because there's things he want to do in your life that are an E320, which means it's exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Think. And some of y'all can't grab into, you can't grasp that because your heart is hard. And he's like, I got you. You're like, you know what, Lord? If you could just get me a job, if I could just be make, if I could just make $22 an hour, that'd be fantastic. And he's like, I want you to be the CEO. You're like, no, but, but Jesus, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. I just, I've added up all of my bills, and I know that if $22 an hour is going to put me in a position where I'll have an opportunity to pay my tithe, and I'll be able to save money, and, you know, I'm going to have an opportunity to buy that car that I want, Lord. And he's like, but I want you to step out because I want to make you the CEO. But you know, God, you know, everything that I'm looking at, you know, with the economy, I don't know how I'm going to be able to be the CEO of anything. And he's like, would you just believe again? But my heart is hard. And you know how your heart gets hard? Because of the things that you see, the things that you experience. You have, you can have, but your heart gets hard for something to happen to somebody else. You're like, Bob got laid off. Now my heart hard. I don't want, I can't get laid off. (laughs) I saw the Bob got laid off. This can't happen to me. Oh, my God, Shirley got a divorce. Lord Jesus, let me hold on to my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen. Your heart get hard in that area. It ain't even happening to you. And you walking in fear, doubt, and unbelief because of something that's happening to somebody else. When the enemy wants to get your heart, when he comes, the, the, first, the first indication that he's after your heart is he shifts your focus of where your treasures are. Hear me. The word says that where your treasures are, your heart will be there also. So if he can shift your focus and have you treasuring things that you shouldn't be treasuring, then your heart is going to be in the wrong place. If you're taking treasure that is not yours, then you're a pirate. Because if you're not supposed to be there and you're partaking of the treasure, that's not your treasure. This is how people get blessed anyhow, right? You look at them, you're like, you look, thank you. I need security on the front row. <laughs> you y'all take care of them. But this is, this, this is how people, you know, you'll look at someone and it looks like they are elevated and they're prospering, but they are a spiritual pirate. Their treasure is somewhere and their heart is went somewhere to something that does not belong to them because the enemy has enticed them into a place to take possession and dominion over something that is not theirs. All dominion that you receive is not necessarily from God. There is time that the enemy will get you some dominion. Oh, sit down, sit down. I need help. I don't know what to do with y'all. Y'all messing me up. If he can shift your treasure and shift your focus and have you looking at something else and coveting something else and you go after it with everything, hey, your flesh will get you into some places. Your flesh will get you some, some success. But your heart will be jacked up. You won't have peace in it. 
you think about all these stars that are dying from overdoses. You think about all these people that, that, that you know, um, are depressed and upset, and you're looking at them, you're like, how are they upset when they live in a 45,000-square-foot house? Because they were a pirate. That wasn't for them. That, was, that land, that was, they weren't ever supposed to, to, to possess that land. So they went into somebody else's space and they took it. When you look, what it says, what a pirate is, is a person who attacks or robs at sea. So what that means is you've stepped into somebody else's flow. Your flow is your flow. Their flow is their flow. If you're getting in their flow, you out of flow. And it's a heart issue. Because where your treasures are, your heart is there also. What you're focused on, your heart is there also. So if you're going in and you're pirating things, or think about it even with music. They talk about pirating music. Why? Because you're stealing something that is not yours. Y'all stop that, okay? You're stealing something that is not yours. Y'all stealing something that's not yours. And you're, and you're running. And what's crazy is you're getting up in churches all over the nation testifying about a blessing that wasn't yours in the first place. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So let's break that down for a second. The first part of it says, above all else. You're my priority? Sing that part. You said you're my number one priority. You're my number one priority? Oh. You're my number one priority. So in God's saying, prioritize above everything else. Above everything else, this is you. I got to guard my marriage. He's like, above everything else, I got to guard my kids. Above everything else, I got to guard my job. Above everything else, I got to guard my health. Above everything else. He's saying above, if, if you just guard your heart, everything else will be taken care of. If you just guard your heart. That's why I'm telling you to take care of your heart first. Because if you take care of your heart, you can receive my word, you can receive my blessings, you can receive my anointing, you can hear my voice, you will get your calling, you will get everything that is supposed to be for you in the flow. But if you're trying to protect everything on your own, if you're over here, if I'm over here trying to protect my kids, I'm probably not focused on my heart. (laughs) Because all my focus is on my kids. All my focus is on my job. All my focus is on on, on my marriage. And so I don't have the ability to guard my heart above everything else because I'm focused on everything else. So the first part is above all else, guard your heart. Now let's talk about guard. I like basketball. Anybody here like basketball? Okay. So I like basketball. I have uh, my son, Andrew. Andrew is 15, and he's ranked 35th in the nation in basketball. He's going into the ninth grade, um, and so I get an opportunity to watch a lot of basketball. And um, my heart is not always there in the games. You know, when they go, if you ever had somebody, child do AAU, you know, Don, you know what I mean? You be there for like 25 years at 17 courts, people blowing whistles, you just like, sometimes you sit there and you pray a bad prayer, like, let them lose. <laughs> Jesus, you go, you go up to the coach, hold on, you go up to the coach, you like, so what happens if they lose this game? We go home. Lord, I speak a losing spirit over them right now in the name of Jesus. We going home. No. But, this, but in basketball, you know, in the second, it says above all else, guard your heart. 
A point guard has perhaps the most specialized role of any position. They are expected to run the team's offense by controlling the ball and making sure that it gets into the right players at the right time. So there's a person on the basketball team, and Taylor, you know this, that their sole purpose is to run the offense. Offense is proactive. Defense is if something's coming, I got to change. Offense means we're being proactive. So above all else, guard, be proactive. Above all else, make sure that your heart is getting into the right hand at the right time. That it's at the player so that you're in the right, the hand of the right player so that you can win. Because if you're not being proactive, then you're going to be reactive after the enemy has already come to kill, steal, and destroy. Now you in your closet going, Lord Jesus, Lord, I just need you to fix it. And he said, I told you ahead of time he was coming, but I was here. Why are you just now setting up a meeting with me? Why? When I tell you above all else, guard your heart. And then it says, for everything that you do, say everything. Everything that you do, your job, everything, your marriage, everything, your kids, everything, your finances, everything, your relationships, everything, exercising, everything, eating right, everything. Guard your heart because everything, not something, is not a little bit of things, but everything that you do, everything that you, you do, your actions with the tasks, the, the, the activity that you're doing, when you're walking, when you're talking, everything that you do comes from your heart. That's why above all things, you have to guard your heart. I have a, I have a, a young, one of my other sons, he is, um, he's dealing, he deals with addiction and he's still a baby. You know, he's not a grown person. And so he deals with addiction and I've sent him to rehab. I've sent him to, uh, I've sent him all kinds of places. You know, I've, I've done, put a lot of work into him. And, and hear me, I'm saying it exactly how I want it to come across. So I've put a lot of work into him because I know what I think he should do. I know that he's called to play basketball. I know that he's supposed, I, I, I. Then I went into my prayer closet and the Lord said, there's a reason why there hasn't been a move in this area. Because your heart is hardened towards me in this situation. You do not believe that I am going to do what I said I was going to do in this situation, which is why you're so active. <laughs> How many of you are active? <laughs> the thing that you're overly active in is probably the thing that God's trying to work on. And he said, because you are so active in this situation, I haven't been able to flow. Because your heart is hard towards me. With this situation, I haven't been able to flow. Because you're still thinking about the last miracle, you're looking at the letter from Ohio State and the letter from Penn State and the letter from the University of San Diego. You're looking at that. You're looking at those miracles, and you're stuck there. You have no idea what I plan to do. <laughs> Y'all not hearing me, are you? <laughs> he said, not only is your heart hardened towards me, but let's talk about the fact that your heart is also hardened towards him. You cannot love him the way that he needs to be loved because you're upset with him, because you resent him, because you're frustrated with him. And so all of those negative feelings are blocking my flow and my ability to do what I need to do because not only are you in the way doing too much and need to have several seats, but you are in addition to that, you're not giving him the love that he needs and he knows it. He feels it. Your heart and heart will impact those closest to you. You can fake a hug, you can fake a kiss, but you cannot fake love. You cannot fake love. 
When you think about guarding your heart, you have to guard your heart by the things that you see. What do you look at that you allow to get inside of you? You have to guard your heart by the things that you hear. What are you listening to that you shouldn't be listening to? Who's just casually speaking in your presence about you, about your kids, about your future, about your life, about your pastors, about your church, about your city, about your nation, about your black sons? People say, oh, my gosh, Unika, that could be one of your sons. No, that's not going to be one of my sons. So you go ahead and shut up. <laughs> that word, ma'am, is going void now. <laughs> but you got to think about that. And it's not, it's not that I'm minimizing, you know, like what the realities are, but you have to be careful what you're listening to. People will put a seed in you so small and tell you you can't do that. I don't think you can accomplish that. And it stays with you. I joke with, uh, with uh, Pastor Sean all the time because I have an interesting thought process about Arkansas. When I was in the first grade, at the kindergarten or the first grade, we were learning the states. And I used to always raise my hand because I was a show off. Like, I'm like, I got to know the answer. So I raised my hand and I got up and it was Arkansas. And I was like, Arkansas. And this little, little Indian boy said, I guess Indian is appropriate. He said, um, no, Unika, it's Arkansas. I still remember that. So every time I have to say Arkansas, I hear this. Second grade, I'm 42. I hear this boy's voice going, Arkansas. Unika, don't call it Arkansas. Don't call it Arkansas. Don't call it Arkansas. That's the same thing that happens to you. One word stays and will stay with you for on and on, years and years. Something that your mom said, that your dad said, that a teacher said, that the bus driver said. Bus driver said, sit your little nappy head itself down. Now you say, I can't go natural. Why? Because first grade, they said I had nappy hair. I'm not having nappy hair. I'm flowing. I'm flowing. I'm not going to do that. You're going to never be able to call me nappy-headed again. You're going through a process because of something that was said to you. That's why you have to guard what you hear. You can't get involved and let everybody just talk to you and speak into your life. We're not talking about just prophetic. You know, like people say, oh, don't come and don't let everybody prophesy to you. Yeah, that's true, but I'm talking about basic words. Basic words that you allow to you and you'll hear something and then somebody it'll, it'll evoke fear in you. I had got to the place in this nation where I was afraid for my kids to leave my house, especially my boys. I, mean, I was scared. Anytime, anytime something hits the news, Sean, uh, Pastor Sean will call me because she knows I take it all in and I go through a process. I got to process everything. And then I research all the details. I know everything that's going on. I try to figure out how I can help it. Like, I want to change the whole world today. We don't have time to wait. <laughs> I don't have time for a hashtag. I don't have time for a meeting. We just need to fix it today. And so I go through a process. And so I had gotten so, I had, you know, the images that I was seeing on the Internet, it gave me so much fear. And then I heard every woman, most of the women I was talking to, were talking to, they were walking in so much fear. And then I would sit, and I couldn't, I would just freak out when they would go to play basketball. Don't wear that, wear this. Don't drive that car, drive this car. Why is the tent still so dark on your car? I thought we told, I told you to lighten that up. Take my car, they're going to pull you over in my car. Don't do, the, you know, and, I'm, and, and fear had crippled me to where my kids started looking at me being fearful, so I was teaching them to be afraid. Don't you know that if you're afraid and you get pulled over, you're more likely to do the wrong thing? Did you think about that? If you're afraid, you're more likely to, to do it. You're just like, Lord. I mean, a poor man that's uh, up, I think it was in Minnesota, he was afraid. That was a, he's like, yo, hey, I got a gun. I got a license. I got all. And that, that caused him. He didn't do the wrong thing for the record. But that caused, you know, something, you know, him to react a certain way out of fear. 
You have to guard your heart because every action that you take after that is going to be impacted if you don't. There are conversations you've got to walk away from. There's a little X in the right-hand corner sometimes you have to click. You've got to log off. Everything's not meant for you to see because you're letting it into your heart. And if you're a person of action, you're going to have a hard time with that because you can't do anything about it. Guard your heart. The other thing you have to guard your heart from is your past, things that have happened to you in the past. So I want to talk to you about heart conditions real quick. How much time I got? Okay. I, I usually have my phone up here, but since it looked ratchet, I left it down there. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit since we're talking about the heart. I want to talk to you a little bit about the heart. So when we talk about our physical heart, the heart serves as a pump that regulates circulation through your body, delivering oxygen to all your major organs so that they can function appropriately and that the body is successfully functioning and able to do everything that it was designed to do. Your heart serves as a pump that regulates circulation. Your heart serves as a pump that regulates circulation. It circulates, which means things are flowing, and it's going to all the major organs, your brain. All of these different things are taken care of by your heart. If your heart's not in alignment, then nothing else in the body can function. If your heart is not in alignment, nothing else in the body can function. If your heart is not in alignment, nothing else in the body can function. When you see dysfunction, your heart is likely not in alignment. So let's talk about some issues of the heart. Coronary artery, dis artery disease. That's damage of the major vessels, and it comes from a buildup of plaque. A buildup of plaque, which means now my heart is not functioning appropriately and blood is not able to flow the way that it's supposed to flow. Well, how, Unika, do you get that buildup of, of plaque? You eat the wrong things. Over years, you put the wrong things inside of your body over years. And so as you continue to put those things in your body, it starts to impact your heart over years. <laughs> See, some of you have some buildup in your heart that's blocking because you keep eating the wrong things. Some of you will come to church and not listen to your pastors and go and seek other pastors to listen to those pastors, but then you're eating the wrong thing. That meal is not for you. There's, you can't eat everywhere. And so because you're eating the wrong things, the arteries are getting clogged. And now the major organs in your body are not working appropriately because you keep being disobedient and eating the wrong things. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. It's a slow, methodical process for you to kill yourself. It's a slow process. It doesn't, you don't just, you don't just go in and, you know, you've been doing the right thing, all, you know, or doing the, uh, the, the right thing all this time. And you're like, oh, you have all these issues. No, they'll tell you the first thing when, it, when, when I looked, I said, well, how then, Lord, do you cure it? It starts out like lower the sodium intake, <laughs> exercise, eat right, go drink water. And I'm like, and then you, you might have to take medicine. But you go through all of these different things. You're taking a, um, thank you. You're taking, oh, I like, what else you can bring me? We got options. Get a uh, tall cinnamon drink. Three lots of it. Um, I told you I was operating on a little bit of sense. But you're, you're go, you go through a process where you continue to abuse your heart. Though That's the same with conversation. You're continuing to abuse your heart and you're expecting it not to have any impact on your heart. 
You're expecting it not to do for, in, for nothing to happen to your heart, even though you're not taking care of it, even though you refuse to guard it. The second one is congestive heart failure. That means that the heart does not pump as well as it should. And that, and once you get to a point where you have congestive heart failure, nine times out of 10, you have ignored all the other symptoms. You've ignored everything else. So now the heart is in a state of failure. The heart is not able to recover. It's not able to do what it was designed to do because you ignored all of the things that the doctor told you to do going forward. Because you ignored all of the things that your pastor told Because you ignored all of the things that your mama told Because you ignored all. You ignored every word that came to you. Everything that the Lord said to you, you ignored it. So there now your heart is in failure. It's in failure. And it's hard to fix a heart that's in failure. In the natural. Because you just ignored everything that you've been doing to your heart. The third one is arrhythmias. And that means you have an irregular beating of the heart. It's either going too fast or too slow. Some of your heart is out of whack because you're trying to, the Lord gave you a word. <laughs> this is a good one. The Lord gave you a word that said, you're going to get married. You grabbing everybody. It's you. <laughs> it's you. It's you. It's you. You get a wife, you get a wife, you get a wife. <laughs> you, you, just, you grabbing everything, running around. Is he saved? No. Does he know the Lord? No. Does he go to church? No. You know, he beat his last five wives. <laughs> and he live in his mama basement, but I think this might be the one, Pastor. <laughs> I think this might be the one. I got a word, I got a word, I got a word, I got a word, I got a word. I think this might be the one. <laughs> he might be it. Because you're going too fast. You're going too fast. Listen, even when you drive, there are signs that tell you a speed limit. Now, I struggle in that area, so we're going to step away from that. But there's, there's, there you are. I'm like, it's negotiable. Um, but there's, I'll tell you a quick story. My son, Andrew, got hurt, and he was probably two hours away. And um, the coach called me, and the coach said, uh, he's saying, you can relate, you know, especially probably with Taylor and even with uh, Chase. Um, he plays football, right? So the coach calls me, and this is the one game I said, I'm not going to go. I'm going to sit at home. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't feel like hearing no balls bounce. Let Take him with you. The coach calls me, and the coach, he says, uh, Unica, and he's talking slow. I said, dude, you don't call me during tournaments. Like, get to the point. Like, what, what, why are you on my phone? He said, well, Andrew, Andrew got hurt. Um, and what, what, er, is he conscious? Like, I mean, we, you, you, you still going too slow. Like, we talk about my child. I need you to speed up this conversation. <laughs> So, and, by, and as he's talking, I'm out the bed, shoes on, grabbing, like, I, I don't know what's happening, but I know I got to go. So he said, you know, Andrew got hurt, and um, I said, okay, did he hurt his head? Did he hurt his leg? Like, what, what did he hurt? Oh, well, he, we think he hurt his leg and his ankle. Is he conscious? Yes, he's conscious. Let me talk to him. So I pause at the door, because I know once I hear his voice, I know what we can do. So Andrew gets on the phone, and there's a silence, and I hear, <gasps> I said, I'm in the car by now, right? I'm like, car started, I'm in reverse. 95 miles an hour out of my driveway. And I said, I said, Drew, I said, you good? He said, come get me. I got to that facility in an hour. I walked in that facility. Listen, I did 150 all the way down the term. Y'all pray for me. I told y'all it was negotiable. I have a car that lowers itself when you go real fast, and so because it controls the, 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 you know what I'm talking about, it controls the ride, and so it don't, you don't even know. I mean, I kind of knew a little bit, like, because I kept looking for the police, <laughs> but <laughs> I kept looking for them, but I did like a hundred, it was probably, probably, I mean, when I walked in the facility, everybody said, 
How did he was like, I told you my mama was going to get here quick. <laughs> I told you she was going to come. But in your life, some of you are moving too fast. You're taking half of a word. He's only giving you some instruction and you're moving off of that. And you don't have the, the full manifestation of the whole word. Because here's the thing. When your heart is hard, you will move anyway because you move out of fear. Because you're so afraid of the rejection. You're so afraid of the failure. And all that is a part of your heart. So you're like, let me hurry up and do this. When he may be like, I want you to do that next year. Or I want you to do that next week. Or I have some people I want to connect you to. There's times you'll get a word and they'll say, hey, you're going to get connected to somebody. They're going to elevate you. You're going to blah, blah, blah. You're going, are you her? Are you her? Are you her? You're not supposed to do that. You got to slow down. Everything is done in decency and order. There's a season for everything. God's, God's word, God, the, God has set order in heaven so that order can be set on the earth. If you move out of season. So if you have, people have babies. I've given birth to five babies. But I've also had some friends that have had babies that they've had too early. They've given birth to those babies. Those babies didn't make it. That's what going too fast happens in your destiny. When, you're, when you birth something out of season, it's a mess. So when he's telling you something, make sure you have the whole word. Make sure you have clarity around the word. Make sure you're listening for instruction. And just because you get the first word doesn't mean that's the last word. So he may say go, but then you got to say where, when, how. Okay, and then, and then so that every single step that you take is ordained by him instead of ordained by you. That way you're not, that's what get, how happens when you get into, can you bless this mess? Because you've created something that he didn't create. So now you want him to bless something that he didn't have his hands on in the first place. Can you take care of this? He said, can you slow down? Am I? And then the other part of that is he will stop giving you everything. He will stop giving you words because he knows you're not mature enough to handle them. You will be in a situation like you're in between Malachi and Matthew. Silence. <laughs> he won't have nothing to say to you because he knows you're too immature to handle the word and you are going to damage and demolish everyone around you by moving too fast. The second part of that, though, is moving too slow. You have an arrhythmia because you're just you always second guessing. Always second guessing. You may say, well, gosh, Unika, how do I know what's the right pace? Let him lead you. If you're tired while you're doing it, you're not in him. If you're frustrated while you're doing it, you're not in him. Because if you're doing it through him, if you're allowing him to work through you and he is your power, you won't be tired or frustrated. He's going to handle it. I have found, you know, that the word says that the Lord won't put any more on you than you can bear. So when you feel like you're breaking down, you have to stop and ask yourself, what did I pick up myself? What did I pick up myself? Because it was, he didn't put this on me. So I've grabbed all of this. I've grabbed this job or I've grabbed these relationships or I've grabbed, I've done all these things that I wasn't supposed to do. And now I'm heavy laden and I can't function. And he said, and he's looking at you and he said, I said, I will not, I, I will not put more on you than you can bear. Your little fast tail keep going over there picking up everything. <laughs> so since you want to pick up all that stuff, you're going to need to figure it out how to get that stuff put back down. And sometimes when we pick things up, we hold on to them because our pride and our ego tells us that we should hold on to it. You pick up a title that you're not supposed to have because you're a pirate. You pick up a title. I am, I am uh, Chief Overseer Billy Bob Joe Kim of, of the Usher Board of the Deacons of the, all of these things, and I have a business card. We ain't never seen the worst, worst, uh, worst auxiliary in the church because you're running it. Can't get no fruit out of the auxiliary. You ain't even supposed to be in it. And, and then because you ain't supposed to be in it and you are so prideful, you're going you're gonna to stay in it and cause it to fail. 
Pride and ego will have you hold on to things that you're supposed to release. You will hold, listen, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I am not a proponent for divorce. I think that God ordained marriage, and I think marriage is his, that, I mean, I, I love marriage. I think marriage is phenomenal. Um, and and, and I, I think that you're supposed to marry the right person. You know, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> you, that, that helps, you know. You're probably supposed to hear from him about the mate. Like, it's a process, right? So then it goes through those things where you go too fast. And so I'll share with you quickly. I, um, when I went to ministry school in um, Florida uh, under Pastor Paula White. And there was a guy in my ministry uh, class, and um, my, I had got a word before I left that you're going to go to Tampa, and your husband is going to be there. And I was like, I'm married to my job, and he treating me well. <laughs> you know, so I was like, I'm good. So I get down there, and I get, you know, I decide to go into ministry school, and we had, we had a two, this two-year program. I'm going through ministry school, and um, there's a person in there, and I didn't notice anybody because I was that person when we talked yesterday, ladies, that come in and go. I would walk into church and be like, praise the Lord, they do the benediction. By the time they did the benediction, I was on the freeway. Like, I'm going, I don't have time for this. I came to get the word. I got my word. I don't need no relationship with y'all people. Um, and so this young man approached me, and he said, you know, I think that you're, you're my wife. And I was like, I got a word about that. That might work. This might work. Something in me said, no, my mind's telling me yes. <laughs> I am so mad that you know how to play that. <laughs> but I literally, I'm like, this is it. And I hit the accelerator. I'm like, yo, we got to go meet my spiritual parents, my daddy, my mama. You got to meet everybody because you, you, you are him. But something in me was like, he is not him. I was like, no, he is him. He's like, he is not him. He him? No, he ain't. He is. He is. He is him. He go to church. <laughs> I met him in church. He's studying to be a minister. This is it. I got a word from the Lord. I took him to meet everybody. I'm like, yeah, this young people. And this is what's interesting. Your folks know. They like. Every single person said, baby, are you sure? This really don't seem like you. This don't. And I'm like, y'all just mad because I'm happy because the Lord, the word is. <laughs> y'all jealous. <laughs> y'all just mad because all y'all relationships ain't work out. You make every pride and ego. Baby, are you sure? This don't, he don't seem like your speed. He don't seem like your type. He don't, I met him, did I? I met him at church. Like, I don't understand why y'all tripping. Dude is saved. Like, he got, he, do you know how hard it is to find somebody saved? <laughs> like, he's saved. He's saved, and he want me. Like, this is working. This is a process. My spiritual father sat me down, and he said, you know, he said, I'm just, I'm just curious about this that you're about to, that you want, that I'm curious about this. I, wanna, I want you to walk me through how you know that this is the one. I said, Dad, you gave me a word before I left. He said, I did. I said. <laughs> what are we talking about? 
don't understand. I went to Tampa. I met a man. He said, I'm his wife. And he said, what is the spirit saying to you? And I was like, I got a word. The spirit, and my dad saw right through that. He said, you know, I think y'all should wait. I think you should give it some time. I think you should give it some time, like lots of time. I think you should take lots of time. And I think you should think, you, I think, you should think through this. I hit the accelerator because I wanted to, you know, we, we want so badly to get in front of the body of Christ and give a good testimony, right? But you live with the hell after that testimony because the testimony is not true. Right, you stand up, the Lord has blessed me with X, Y, Z. And you get, see people jump up and talk about that all the time, but they don't talk about the hell that they're going through because that, because that was something that they pirated. It wasn't theirs in the first place. So they're going through hell behind the scenes that they'll never speak on because, and they go into these situations because, you know, listen, they go through these, they go into these situations because pride and ego makes them want to stand in front of you and tell you how good God is for them. Because if God is good for them, then that then validates them. And that, you know, then for everybody else, now you validated. You know I'm saved because he gave me a husband. You know I'm saved because he gave me the job. Yes, I am a super saint. But you're not going to talk about the hell that comes. You know, when people talk about the divorce rate in church, part of it is due, due to pride and ego when you're marrying the wrong person. And then pride and ego caused me to stay well after the expiration date. You wouldn't drink ex expired milk. Why would you stay in something that's expired in your life? When relationships expire, you've got to let them go. Some of she said, one time Sean called me and she said, you know, I just worry about you, baby. I worry about you because you have such a gift of long suffering. She said, you just stay in stuff. I don't understand why you stay in it. It's time for you to go and you just be like, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a little more prayer. I'm going to pray a little longer about this. Now, you should have prayed before you got married. A clue would have been that no one close to us married us. No one close to us married us. Some of y'all will come in and get mad at your pastors and lead a church because they tell you he ain't the one or she ain't the one. And they only they see something that you don't see. Then you get in pride and arrogance, hard heart, hard heart. Nothing can get in. The truth can't get in. The fourth one is a stroke. That's another form of heart that happens with your heart. And that's when damage to the brain occurs due to an interruption in the blood supply. When the word says to renew your mind, you have to think about it. Why would our minds need to be renewed? That means that somewhere along the way, they got stale. Somewhere along the way, our spiritual minds went into stroke because we didn't have the blood flowing like it should have been flowing to us and through us. So it caused us to go into a spiritual stroke where our brain now stops functioning. And here's the thing about a stroke. Stroke impacts how you're, everything that you're able to do. It can paralyze part of your body. Some people never come back, you know, all the way from a stroke. And so when you think about that, you don't want to be in a, spirit, in, a, in a condition where you can have a spiritual stroke, where your brain stops working because you won't allow the blood to flow. Because you create all these blockages. You have created a dam to make sure that nothing flows in and nothing flows out. I am not impressed by people who can preach.
I am not impressed by people who come to church every Sunday. I am not impressed by people that can lead praise and worship. I am not impressed by people that can even prophesy. I am impressed by people that flow when God says flow. I'm impressed by people that have soft hearts, that let people in, that love on people. I'm impressed by Sharetta Galladay because Sharetta loves without, with, you know I mean, she just has an unconditional love. I'm still in process. I'm saying I'm going to love you, but I'm going to watch you. But she will love you first. So I'm impressed by people that actually understand that they have to have their heart in a right place in order for them to move forward in God and to allow things to flow. If there's a blockage in your life, it's because you have a heart condition. Every single thing, every single failure, every single thing that you walk into that you're not supposed to can be traced back to a heart issue. When your heart is right towards God and when your heart is right towards man, and you are loving unconditionally, everything in your life is going to flow. I was sitting in a boardroom in um, a job. I used to work for a heart monitoring company, surprisingly. So I was sitting there. We had hired the number one thoracic surgeon in the nation to be our chief medical officer. And so this man has operated on hearts all across the nation, babies, grown people, all. I mean, he knows the heart inside and out. He's sitting, you probably remember this story. He's sitting in our meeting. We're having our executive meeting. And the guy's head, he just went and hit the table. We thought he was playing or something. Like, everybody's like, Dr. Wayne, Dr. Wayne, Dr. We realized he wasn't breathing. Heart stopped. Heart stopped. It don't matter what you know. <laughs> don't matter what you know. He had operated on everybody else's heart. That's why I'm not impressed. Do you know what I mean? You, you can preach a message that you don't receive. <laughs> That's why I'm not impressed. You can sing a song that you don't believe. That's why I'm not impressed. You know, so you can, you can act like you're serving a God that you don't trust. That's why I'm not impressed. That man died. They, they did so many chest compressions on him. They broke all of his ribs. They, had, they stayed with the manual chest compressions all the way to the hospital. They got him to the hospital. They had to put him on ice. They froze him, took his temperature all the way down, cut him open, did what they had to do, and he ended up surviving. And he got in front of our company and he said, you know what? I cannot believe that I didn't take care of myself. <laughs> that I was so focused for everything that I knew. Yeah, you may know what Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 says. <laughs> you may know what Malachi says. You may know what it says in the book of Job. You may, you know, understand major prophets from minor prophets, the book of poetry. You may know the patriots in the Bible. You may understand your Greek and your Hebrew, have your songs and your concordance, all those concordances there in your vines. You may be able to articulate um, and go through all the different, and put together a message and have your illustration and alliteration and all of those different things that they teach you in Bible school. You may have all of that, but if you have a heart condition, you're going to lose. Because everything else is for the outer. But my heart doesn't beat on the outside. My heart beats on the inside so that I can flow on the outside. My heart beats on the inside so I can flow on the outside. If I have a blockage, I'm not going to be able to flow. Lastly, in the book of Ezekiel, it says, I will give you a new heart. This is the Lord speaking and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart for those of you that are thinking, oh, my gosh, my heart has been hard. 
Oh my gosh, I haven't been listening to what God has told me to do. I haven't been focused on what he's told me to do. I don't trust him. I don't have relationship with him. I have, or I have a transactional relationship. I give him my tithe and I expect his blessing. I give him my worship and I expect his blessing. So it's all about just transaction. I just want transactions, not deep relationship. Lord, I don't want to get deep with you. I don't want you to know my mess. So I want to stand up and be as pompous as I am in front of everybody else in front of you as well. When's the last time you prayed a real prayer? When's the last time you said, Lord, I'm dealing with lust. I need you to help me. Lord, I'm dealing with, you know, I got anger. I got frustration. I got resentment, Lord. Lord, I'm dealing with an ought against my brother that I don't want to address. Lord, I'm backbiting. I'm lying. I'm telling little small lies. Those are still lies. People tell little lies. How many people were in the place? Girl, 97. 42. (laughs) It's still a lie. But we don't want to deal with those things. We want to hold on to those things. Little bitty lies. How much you make? Oh, girl, I make $75,000. (laughs) $67,500. It's still a lie. What year is your car? 2012, 2010. It's still a lie. Is that your hair? I'll leave that alone. (laughs) The The Lord says... I'm going to take it. It's not too late for you. It's not too late because he, he's, listen, everything that he does is about relationship with you. Everything that he does from the foundation, from the foundation, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When she asked the question this morning, which child would you give? I was like, well, I can't give that one. I love that one too. Y'all just going to have to die and go to hell because I ain't giving nobody. <laughs> But God was like, you know what? I love you enough. My heart is connected to your heart. Hundreds of times in the Old Testament, he said, I'm your God. You're my people. I'm your God. You're my people. Um, That means there's connection. There's belonging. Our hearts are connected. I loved you before you loved yourself, before you knew yourself. Why now that you know yourself, you decide that you don't love me as much? How do I know that you don't love me? Because you don't trust me. How do I know that you don't trust me? Because you don't do what I tell you to do. Your disobedience and your rebellion tells me that you don't trust me. And sometimes people will step back and they will say, I'm not in rebellion or I'm not disobedient because I do this. I tithe, so I'm not in, uh, in rebellion. I go to church every Sunday, so I'm not in rebellion. He tell you to stop on the way home to get your wife some flowers and the spirit speaks that to you and you don't do it. You're in rebellion. Daily. It's a daily choice not to be in rebellion. And it's a daily choice to make sure you're rewriting your heart. You can't continue with the blockages. None of us will want a spiritual heart attack, end up with stroke, be out of pace, miss the things that God has for us. Life and life more abundantly. Life and couples it, life more abundantly. The interesting thing about that scripture where it says a thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy is separated with a semicolon. That means that when he could have stopped, he decided to keep going. (laughs) He could have stopped. He could have said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm done. But he said, I came that I might give you. Like, I can stop right here and tell you this is what's going to happen. But I just want to assure you, because my heart is connected to you and because I love you so much. And I only want the best for you. Even though you think that this thing is not the best for you. It doesn't look like it's the best for you. It doesn't look like it's manifesting in the way that you thought it would. It's not packaged the way that you thought it would be packaged. It's not coming in the time period you thought it would come. 
But I'm telling you, I'm in control. I got this. If I love in the book of Job where, see, I couldn't have lived in the Old Testament thing. Praise God for me living now. When he said, was it you that put the stars in the sky? When you call, as you questioning me, I just got some questions for you. Was it you? Did you form the earth and separate the sea from the land? Did you, did you, you, wasn't you, was it? Wasn't you, wasn't you, it was me, it was me, it was me. I got this. You'll believe him for $5, but you won't believe him for your purpose. We believe him for parking spaces and don't believe him for our purpose. I believe that they'll have that shoe on my size, but I may not believe him for my purpose. You know why? Because purpose is hard. It takes work. We want it easy. Because everything now comes to us instantly. Shootings happen and we watch them happen while they're happening. We see it immediately. Everything is instantaneous. And he's saying, for you to trust me, you've got to go on my time. Because my time is perfect. Get some paper out real quick. You only need like four more minutes. You have pen and paper, everybody have it? Are you going to use, or use your phones. That's good. I see you. That's good. I want you to think. I love to go and sit by water. I especially love the ocean because the ocean flows. Nobody controls the ocean. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't build a dam in the ocean, right? There's no, there's no dams in the ocean. The ocean just flows. It's regulated by the moon, and there's a lot of scientific things, but it just flows. And so I love to be by the ocean. But occasionally I find myself by a creek. Or maybe in Arkansas, y'all call it a creek. In West Virginia, they call it a creek. <laughs> grandma, we go down there by the creek. I'm like, Grandma, okay. Um, but I go, occasionally I find myself by a creek. And I love the way the water flows through the creek. But you also, when you think about a creek, there's also stones that are in the creek that are redirecting the flow. Moving the flow to somewhere else. I want you to think for a minute about the stones that you've put in your heart that are redirecting your flow. What's redirecting your flow? And it's got you out of flow with what God wants you to do. You're not going to share these things, but it's got, you out of, it's got you out of flow. Think about it. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there a conversation that you need to have? Is there instruction that you haven't taken and done, and you're supposed to do it? Is there someone that you're supposed to love on that you refuse to love on because you, they just don't look like you? They don't act like you. You don't think that y'all can rock, but the Lord's been telling you to interact with that person. What's blocking your flow? So I want you to identify one, at least a minimum of one rock that may be redirecting your flow. Maybe he just told you to get up every morning at 5 a.m. and pray. You don't do it. Maybe it's told you that I know a tithe is a tenth, but I want you to do double. And I bought my second house. um, I went through a divorce, and I was buying my second house. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give 30%. It's just a part of your tithe. It doesn't include your offering. And I was like, I need a second opinion. Is Michael up there? (laughs) Jesus? (laughs) I need to talk to who else we got. (laughs) I need to talk. 30%? I was like, so if I do that, and I kept saying, Lord, if I do 30%, because I'm, I'm, I'm an analytical person, right? So I'm like, let me add 30%. So we still talking gross, or we moving the net? Like, I just need, I need some clarity here, right? And he said, I need you to do 30% as your tithe and continue to give your offering. 
I was like, and I got to be honest with you. You know, it says, uh, give, it'll be given to you, press down, shaking together, and be a cheerful giver. Nah, gee, I was not believing those scriptures at the moment. I was writing that check angry. Give me 30%. I don't understand why I got to get 30%. She giving 30%? I want to see what they get. So, like, the first two times, I'm sure it didn't count. <laughs> I'm walking out, people skipping down to offering basket. I was like, we're going back to my seat. But he said, I want you to give 30%. Because what I want to give you, 10% just won't do. I was consistent, 30%. Unsure, like how am I going to feed these kids? How am I going to make sure that the electric don't get cut off? How am I going to make sure the car's still in the driveway? A peak, what's my grace period? I'm going through all of these things through this process. I went to look for a house. I looked for a house, and the house was, uh, I looked at a house I liked that was a used, I mean, had a used house. I can't believe I'm saying that. It was a house that someone had lived in before. And I walked in the house, and I was like, this is it. And I went and prayed, and the Lord said, this isn't it, 30%. I'm like, I don't understand the 30%. I don't understand the 30%. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're talking about, Lord. I don't get it. Go, I had a, um, a broker call me and said, hey, I think I got a house that somebody's going to walk away from that's in the process of being built. I want you to come and look at it. And so I came out, and he said, you know, you can pick this. You can pick the toilet. You can pick the, the tile. You can pick whatever, you, you know, you want. And I was back to my spreadsheet. How much is the house? How much, how, how, how much is the house? Like, I need to know because I need to calculate that, determine what the, how many points is going to be for me and what I'm going to, you know, how much my payment is going to be. He said, well, we'll talk about the price later. Nah, bro, we're talking about the price now because I'm not coming in to pick nothing that you're going to take from me. Heart, heart, not trusting. You understand what I mean? Now I've been sowing 30%. Plus the offering. I still be like, we, gonna, we, gonna, we and him, when I get to heaven, I got some questions. I just want to have some, I, wanna, I need like coffee for a minute, like five minutes of coffee with God. But we got, I end up getting the house, beautiful house. And I'll never forget we were at the closing. And the, um, the, the, uh, what are the licensed person was going through the paperwork. And I was confused about that because you get a lot of paperwork for the house, right? You just like, I'm like, I'm not reading this. Hopefully y'all honest. Just tell me where I'm supposed to sign because I ain't got time. This is a lot. I know y'all trying to, you know, whatever. There's a lot of paper. They ended up, we, you know, we had to have my down payment ready. They were like, you know what? We're going to give you this house with no down payment. And in addition to that, 30% of the total costs we're giving back to you in a rebate. 30% of the total cost. The house was $179,000. So we're going to take $17,900 times three and give it back to you in the form of a rebate. Do you hear me? So I got to keep my down payment, and I got 30% back in the form of a rebate on the house. Because at that point, they was giving houses away. I don't know if y'all remember that time period. They was just giving them away. And so I, I learned at that point to trust God. That's a small thing for him to say, give 30%. Well, how many of you would trust him if he said to do that today? I'm not going to ask y'all for 30% for all y'all hiding y'all checkbooks. <laughs> he, <laughs> people are like, just in case, so baby, put that in the car. Go but you have to think about it. Had I not trusted him, I don't know what would have happened when I got to that table. And I'll tell you another part of the story. I ended up getting a job and had to relocate. And the company that relocated me bought the house from me at full market. Y'all don't understand. They bought the house for me to relocate. Part of my relocation was them buying the house to relocate me. So I ended up relocating for, to Tampa, Florida, and they paid for my house that was still in Ohio. What is he telling you to do? What is he telling you to do? That your heart is hardened and you can't get the next thing. Y'all have your rocks? Y'all have your rocks?
for the next 21 days, 21 days, you've got to annihilate that rock. If you need more clarity, get more clarity. If he told you to move and you've already been going too slow, accelerate starting today. If he told you to change some things and you haven't changed it, change it starting today. If he told you to eat differently and you haven't been eating differently, start with the next thing you put in your mouth. If he told you to exercise and you haven't been exercising, see, this is how important acceleration is. Before you go get in your car, take an extra lap around the parking lot. Start today. Start immediately. If you've been going too slow, if you know that you've been going too fast in something, you're rushing something. And because you're rushing it, it's causing it some issues. Slow down. Pace yourself. Find somebody that you trust that can be your accountability partner. So when you feel like these two walk me through so many things, but it's because of transparency that they're able to walk me through those things. And so when I know I'm going too fast or going too slow, I have to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm feeling this way. I just, I felt panic. I felt, I felt fear. I felt this. And I know God hasn't given that to me, that he hasn't called me to that. But the enemy is coming to kill, still and destroy. And he's not going to stop. So for the next 21 days, your one mission is to make sure that you annihilate that rock. Because your flow, I firmly believe that in this house, Every last one of you have a flow that he wants to do through you and to you. And your obedience in this season is important. Not just big obedience, little obedience also. And you say, well, what do you mean by little? Take a different way to work this morning. I hear you. I will do it. Say good morning to that person. I hear you. I will do it. Sow this into that person. I hear you, and I will do it. Not just the things that you look through and you say, I line up with the words, so I'm doing these things, but you have to get in tune with his voice because the flow that's coming to you is so great. It is so great that one rock can distort it. The rush, when you think about water rushing, if you ever went to white... White water rafting, and the water's just rushing, and there's rocks in it where the water's, you know, sometimes the water can overtake it. In this season, the flow would not be able to go where it's supposed to go if you keep the rocks in place. I had you look at one, but many of you know that you have more than one. You know that you have many areas that you have to work on, places that you've been afraid to touch, afraid, things you've been afraid to do, conversations you have been afraid to have. Anytime fear rises up, the first thing you know is that's the enemy because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But I really feel by the spirit of God and by the Holy Ghost, and I do not say that unless I mean that, that there is a supernatural flow that's not just coming to you individually, but it's coming to this ministry. And the hearts have to get aligned because if the hearts get aligned, it, it, listen, if your heart's not aligned, find a new church. Find somewhere where you're going to be aligned. Because for what's coming here and the swiftness that is going to come and the force that is going to come, we can't afford to have any rocks. So if it, you, that's all I'm permitted to say on that right now. I will share the rest of it with the pastors. I will share the rest of it with, with y'all. But you have to focus on your rocks. It would be a shame for you to miss out on life and life more abundantly. Because you refused to open your heart. Because you refused to be obedient. Because you refused to submit. 
That's all I got. Edwin. Come on, did you not enjoy unique?